It's Interview Friday, and we're lucky enough to be sitting here with Oscar winner, Golden Globe winner, BAFTA winner, Mark Andrews. So glad, I'm so glad to have you here. Yeah, it's nice to be here, Joel. Thanks for having me on. All right. Mark and I have known each other since college. We went to CalArts together. Um, and I, one of the things about Mark is you were always glad when he was in the audience because you knew you'd have the best audience member ever. I miss that still to this day. Like when I'm out doing stand-up comedy, it's like, wow, you know, this room could really use a Mark Andrews <laughs> to liven things up. Luckily, I have my wife, Kamala. She is also of the Mark Andrews tribe, I believe, because she really like can laugh up the storm. Um, so yeah, so I miss that. And I miss you. You've been, you've been up there in, in the Bay Area for yeah. so long. Uh, yeah. I think you'll be staying there. Well, uh, you know, in the entertainment industry, you never can tell. I just kind of go where the wind blows me. And this has been an, uh, you know, an 18 year, well, now 20 year uh, uh, gust of wind that uh, has kept me up here. So we moved up in 2000 uh, when Brad Bird asked me to be head of story on Incredibles. And I did. I thought it was going to be one movie and then done and we'd figure it out. Um, but then Pixar asked me if I'd be interested in directing. So I'd been in development there and then Ratatouille happened and then John Carter happened and then Brave, they needed help. And, and then the next thing I know, you know, it's 18 years and, uh, and a family I did to, and a family. And, <laughs> and, and then and then I decided to leave Pixar because that's not a fit for me, the type of things, stories I want to tell. So got out and I'm now looking for my next project, but I don't have to move Great. quite yet. You know, yeah, you don't have to move yet. Yeah. Um, now, my question for you is when we were in college yeah. um, at CalArts, you did a lot of like, we met because you were our fight TA. You That's and right. Your brother Brian were fight TAs and your wife was in my class and we were all in class together, mm -hmm. um, Pat. And you were really into the fight stuff. In fact, you made mm -hmm. your own fight films. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We Symphony did. Symphony uh, of Slaughter was that Symphony one? Symphony of, of Slaughter was one of them. Yeah. Embrace the it. Carnage. That's the other one. And then yeah. Dirge of Destiny was Dirge our last of one. Destiny. Yeah. Now, yeah. where are those films now? Is what I'd like. They to. they are they are sitting on deteriorating, you know, three quarter inch tapes and videotapes. Wow. We got them transferred to CD, you know, uh, disc a while ago, but the quality's poo and and <laughs> but uh, you could kind of still make out everybody's face, which is yeah. really fun. Um, um, but yeah, they, I've just shown my kids all of them. And so they they love to tease their their uncle who is a villain in in the movie. Oh really? Oh my and God. and they just they just love because it's like it's like you know my parents' home movies sixteen eight millimeter you know of vacations and stuff, but we're actually making weird ass movies. Yeah, you guys would get together all yeah. your animated animator friends and just oh, yeah. go out there and just have we a had, time. We had that huge climactic battle at the ending where hundreds of people are dying and then yeah. would you show them at the bijou or where would you show it back then yeah we had that we had um uh inside cal arts in the animation department they have a little theater huge projector screen that they had uh um um and we we would watch it in there so uh and have everybody over and then you know then it got so big people wanted to see it and we i think we played it in the bijou a couple times where they you know show other things for the film courses but yeah it was a huge cult hit and Cal yeah, Arts in our day. Hit. You know, the Bijou is famous for many reasons, but one of the reasons is because when Terry Gilliam made Brazil, he had his mm. cut of Brazil and he stole it because they wanted to ruin it. Right. And he stole it and showed it in the Bijou and invited a bunch of important people, I suppose, so that they could actually see what he was trying to make. 
Yeah. And, uh, so that's there's probably many stories with the Bijou Theater. That oh, include yeah. Symphony of Slaughter or Symphony Embrace of Carnage. Slaughter, Embrace of Carnage. Yeah, I think so, we got. I think we showed all three of them there. There was a round that happened there. Yeah. Would you say that that is your love, uh, fight and fight choreography and be and making movies about fight scenes and such action movies? Yeah, I grew up watching. I mean, my favorite favorite films were you know all the Ray Harryhausen Sinbad stuff, and that's action adventure, and you're fighting monsters and skeleton battles and sword fights and. You know, I remember sitting home and, and on Sunday afternoons when there's really nothing to watch on TV, that's when they put on Kung Fu Theater. Oh, so yeah. I'm watching the, all these old great martial arts films with the bad dubs, theater. you know, and, and oh, yeah. I got into martial arts, you know, because of those, because of those things. I want to emulate being these characters that I saw on screen as most everybody kind of does, right? Yeah. And, and that just took off. And so when I got to, you know, drawing for me when I was younger was an escape. You know, it's storytelling escape. I get to go into other worlds that I create. So the entertainment movies, uh, television shows, that's just an extension of that. And so I did martial arts, uh, you know, uh, still kind of do. And then and then my drawing. And then so when I got it to Cal Arts and they had, you know, fencing and stage combat, I was in. And then that that developed into a love and I was, I don't know if you know this, but you know, two days a week, I was leaving CalArts at the evening and driving down to Burbank to study really? for years. Yes. To study was, at the fight center? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The study really? at, there was a little place called Swordplay off of Olive oh, Avenue. Is and that gone now? Is that it gone? is, it's, I think it's still there, still there, but I don't think it, I don't think Tim Wesky is running it anymore, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, you and Brian, your brother, were just really into fighting. Oh, yeah. In fact, your brother's oh, yeah. last I saw him, he was doing Wing Chun. Wing Chun. Yes, yes, and, we uh, both studied Wing Chun. He did Wushu, which is what Jet Li did, and 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 Jackie Chan. And there's he studied... tough at this age, though, don't you think? I mean, oh, I, he does not do it anymore. There's no I way he could do to... a full twisting butterfly at his age. No. <laughs> I tried to just do the basic stuff. They had a training facility on La Brea here, which yeah. is down the street from me. And so I could walk there and train Wushu. But man, you got to be flexible. And they, yeah. you know, that just the warm up was yeah. just devastating. Yeah. It's good. It's good for yeah. you. You know, oh, man. You, you there were some guys my age there up. that were doing, doing the workouts and just oh, hanging yeah. in there and being great. And some yeah. of the great stunt people uh study that and studied with them i think oh yeah yeah totally it, it's it's part of that diet if you're going to be a stunt man to learn the martial arts yeah. to learn that control and the more you learn because you know the director and the or the producer comes up can you do this the director wants this they better be able to say yeah or you're replaced so it's that that vicious side of the entertainment industry you, you know i don't necessarily like but um it happens because you need to, on the day, you need to get that take and have it done so you're not wasting time with it, you know? Yeah. You mentioned those uh, Sinbad movies. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jason and the Argonauts. That was mm -hmm. what, what I used to watch when I was a kid, too. You know, mm -hmm. those characters they, they, they used in the movie for the, mm -hmm. uh, they, for the stop motion, right. they have now restored those. And there's going to be a, a display that's going around the country apparently yeah yeah it's it's being go it's going around oh we, it is it's uh, going yeah around. it's going around and it was it was in scotland uh uh just a a, a month ago or something um uh, yeah they're taking it all around so I, I can't wait to see it it's me it's too. pretty those maquettes are just amazing me too and so you technology. have an interesting story because i i've mm -hmm. been um i've known you for a long time and i've been following yeah. what you've been doing 
and you have a kind of way of um, just going, going your own way and mm -hmm. falling into things as they come at you on a very spontaneous, in a very spontaneous way. Like you didn't plan to be what you're doing today. You never were yeah. like, someday I want to be a, a director of animation and live action films. That wasn't how you started out. You were no, in no. the military or something. Is that right? Yeah, I was uh, in high school. All my friends had gone into the, were going into the military. And so I thought, well, that's what I want to do. I'm going to martial arts. I, we play paintball all the time. I know how to shoot. You know, I've been, yeah. I had been taking archery, you know, since I was 12. You know, um, you know, not that they give you that in the U.S. military, but maybe special forces someday I could be the guy with the bow, you know, big dreams, big dreams. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and um, you know, art was just, uh, the drawing was just something I did just for me. And uh, I remember I sent a portfolio off to Marvel Comics when I was young and got scathing feedback of you're not ready and study some more. So I thought that was that. And, yeah. um, um, but then my brother found uh Cal Arts. He's he's a year and a half younger than me, so we're like eighteen months apart. So, I graduated he's also high school. An animator and has yeah, he's also an animator. Yeah, and lots of incredible. Oh yeah, he's amazing, amazing uh, talent. And so, I went to City College and got my first formal art training in City College in Santa Barbara. And then when he got out, he wanted to go to this other city college that actually had an animation course, hmm. and he was animating a long time before I was. Um, yeah. And so we went together and took this animation course. And that teacher, Ed Harvey, who has since passed a long time ago, he told us about CalArts. And so we applied to CalArts and we got in, you know. And so that kind of changed the course of where I was going to go because suddenly, oh, my gosh, you mean there's a career where I just get to draw 24-7? I'm in. And that's, yeah. that's about as far as my thinking of the future and what I wanted to do went. Well, one of the great things about you, Mark, is you're great with story. And, uh, you know, you're not, you're not just a person who animates, but I feel like you do it in a kind of a visual way. I don't know what your process yeah. is, but, you know, you did storyboards yeah. for the Iron Giant and also for Spider-Man early, early on out of, Cal, out of mm -hmm. Cal Arts. Um, but I feel mm -hmm. like you yeah, probably are- first one, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like you're probably like a more visual person. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, uh, I, ha I, I, I have to see it and drawing uh, through the extension is, you know, I'm just, I just start, I have an idea of what I want to get and you draw and it's this very feedback, you know, response, because I'll draw something, I'm all, that's not it. And then I'll draw it again. So it's, it's, I respond to the, the input that's coming in and that kind of guides me and I just find it with my gut, you know, and I, I approach story the same way. I just, I don't plan it all out knowing what I want to say. I, I think this interests me and then I start and you just kind of, I just kind of bumble through being an artist and just following my gut. And then after you barf it out, then it's the, ah, I see where this can go and the editing can now form, you know, and I can react to it. So when I started doing live action films, I was suddenly in a medium that moved as fast as I can think. Because if I was setting up a shot and talking to the actors about what they want to do and staging background, and we start rolling and I see it and it's happening in front of you, you know, like you're at the theater, right? And you're seeing the performance and then I'm going, this isn't right. And I could react to it. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm building as I go. 
And so there's more, uh, I, I have a much more organic approach. And I know the structure, you know, I know the tent poles and- You and, must, I mean, at Pixar, yeah. don't, didn't they, don't they have a very kind of specific kind of structure guideline there? I just, I'm just imagining, I have no idea because it's sort of a black box. Yeah, not, not really. No. There isn't like, you don't get in and you're indoctrinated to here's our 10 commandments they that don't we take follow you into for a room, story. Like a virtual Joseph Campbell who tells well, you. No, the no, the, no, they no. don't. Joseph Campbell's going to get you only so far, right? <laughs> yeah, There's right. so much minutia in between that yeah. that uh, you could be going, but I did it just like he said. And it could just totally go off the rails yeah. because it's alchemy, right? And I've been teaching since 96, teaching storyboarding and, and visual storytelling. And I tell my students all the time, there's no magic bullet. There's no book that you can read that's going to solve it for you. At the end of the day, everybody's making it up as they go along. Um, even the, even the experienced guys or Spielberg would have hit after hit after hit after hit. And he doesn't, you know, um, yeah. um, nobody does. Uh, uh, so this thing is, you know, it's alchemy. The story is alchemy. So being open to that, um, you can't come in solidly with a structure. You got guidelines or tent poles or, or uh, um, things that, you know, you've, worked in the past just to kind of set up as as markers you know as you're going through um to feel it out and i've studied structure and analyzed movies and scripts and stuff till my eyes bug out but when you're actually doing it you have all that and you just kind of got to push it behind you and lean into that uncomfortable kind of organic process you know so you're going down this wild river but you've got a rudder. You could steer left or right, you know, to avoid rocks when you see them coming and, and things will pop out of surprise. And you could say, that's actually more the direction I want to go. Um, Brad Bird would talk about that on Incredibles when we were making it. He knows, he was saying, you know, you can't see the whole thing. You know, it's either your story or it's the story story. And what turns out better is the story story. If you got to pull yourself out of it. So you have to service the story. So and you can't see the whole thing. You know, it's like uh, Einstein would talk about physics as the lion. We know it's a lion, but you never see the whole thing. So story is the same way. We know it's a beast, right? But you yeah. can't see the whole thing. So as long as you're following that and it's revealing itself to you, now you can course correct along the way and hopefully get something that's, um, you know, that uh, entertains the audience, you know? So you almost look at it as something outside of yourself? Absolutely. Or yeah, not, absolutely. No, I'm, 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 I'm a wanderer, wandering in whatever those landscapes are. Asking know? questions. My, my dad's yeah. a, a sculptor, yeah. metalsmith, and he's gotten to this, he said, I got to a certain point where all of a sudden the metal started informing me yes. of what it was going to be. Yes. And I think that that's true. Do you, when you start, do you start with pictures or do you start with words? I start with pictures. Um, uh, I mean, a picture is easier than words in, in a lot of stages. It's not as fast. <laughs> Writing is way faster than drawing, but yeah. the, the details, um, the place, the sense of place, um, uh, the sense of scale, all these things that are really hard to describe in words on a script, um, you can't really visualize. You know, it would take a thousand words for me to just draw one, one drawing. But, and that also comes to the uh, emotion too. But there's there's and it's a visual medium you know the script is merely every film that we watch pretty much 90 percent of the time 
is not the script that got the film made isn't even the script by the time it's done you know um and you can see this if you read the drafts the shooting scripts right not the conformed scripts after the movie's done that yeah, the academy the kind of gets right mm -hmm. you, lots of things lots of things are changing i'm cutting this line i'm taking this line and i'm halfing it i'm taking this line and giving it to this other character instead of you you know and because you're we're reacting to it once you bring all those ingredients together. And in animation, we don't bring all the ingredients together until the very end. So all the ingredients are kind of lining up, yeah. right? And, and so I've been working on a system to make it more like live action where I have all the ingredients at the same time in animation. That uses utilizes a lot of the technologies that are out there today. Motion capture, the movies aren't turning, I'm not just taking a motion capture and just that's it. The animators get to go over that, but for for my story reels or for my uh, uh, you know first pass at the at the movie, mm -hmm. getting in a, a motion capture volume, uh, uh, capturing motion, and you could capture anything as creative as you can be. It's not just people; you can capture anything, and then put bringing it to a game engine and using the power of that render in the game engine in real time. I could change the sun. I could change the light color. I could move parts of the set. We could you know, go back and forth. So all my department heads, mm -hmm. they're helping me make the movie. We're all on the stage at the same time, looking at it through our own lenses in context. And that was the biggest epiphany that I had in this whole process of my nearly 25 years doing this. Mm -hmm. It's I've always been attracted to the context because the context is going to inform it how a person moves is going to inform ideas that I have, how, how to reveal that or how to bring them in or how to uh, uh, utilize that in their character, right? To, to help the performance or, um, so it's context, right? How big is the tree, right? If I want somebody feeling small, you know? And in animation, we're, we're doing it in 2D first, but then that's one medium. And then we try to translate into 3D and that's a completely different medium. And that's where all the headaches happen you know um and it's the same from word to visuals that's where all the headaches happen so it's it's a starting place you know and writing is very important because you can read it and get an idea and go into it um but it's 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 evolving right this is an organic process that's growing you know yeah, and, i think sometimes yeah. people kill things because they're trying to use their brain too much to control it rather yes. than kind of let it be like it as it is. I wonder, yeah. do you think working at Pixar uh, is something that kind of helped you in that area because it's such a collaborative kind of medium to, to do animation like that with a huge group of people? Or do you uh, think it's just yeah. something about the you? Something well, about you that no, I think it's, it's, a yes and, it's a yes and no. You mm -hmm. know, I think there was a real, um, um, because I was working in collaboration, you know, with other people before I even got to Pixar. Iron Giant with Brad Bird was a way different experience than my time at Warner Brothers Animation when we were starting off with uh, Quest for Camelot. And it was very different than my time at Hanna-Barbera when I was doing The New Adventures of Johnny Quest, which were episodes that were written and then handed to me. And I was, you know, doing the whole board for a 30-minute show. I mean, that's wow. that's a lot of work. You know, I did the same on Samurai Jack and, you know, the the 2D animated Clone Wars and stuff. So, um, do you, but, I just want to ask you yeah. real quick. I don't want to yeah. too much, but yeah. um, being a storyboarder first, do you think that that has helped you as a director or that has informed your whole creative process because you started with doing storyboards for people? Absolutely, absolutely. Because I was learning how to tell a story from 
the simplest action of you can't get the door on open. Yeah. Of the action of my, my shoe, I'm having trouble tying, getting my shoes on, you know, that's a story that's revealing to a character, you know, looking for their glasses, you know, that's a minor little thing. And, and it comes from that animation where, where you're rooted in character. And, and to me, animation wasn't full story because the environment that the character in is also informing, right? Um, and how they act in it and how they move through it and how they are in it. So I was always drawing backgrounds and comic books kind of informed that too. So storyboarding was that little piece because I handle a moment and I, and I, and I polish the moment and a story is a hundred moments <laughs> tied together. But how do you hand off that moment into the other moment and keep that train going that's how are they connected? good and yeah. you can't you know uh uh um it's a very different it's a very different process i'm not saying that it's better than writing and, and all you writers who are listening you know you're out of a job once a visual story artist get get there <laughs> but that's not the case it's yeah. it's just a, it's a, it's a different approach right yeah. I'm, I'm i think dealing that people with a, think differently. different but they do everybody you know I mean? does like yeah. it took me probably until about five years ago before i realized I just think visually. Yeah. Uh, my, you know, I had friends who could like learn their lines and they, in their minds, they see the script. Yeah. I don't see that at all. Yeah. I see images. So yeah. if I don't put images in my head, I don't know the lines. Yeah. But if I put images in my head, I know them for the rest of my life. Right. And they're making all this discovery, you know, with the kids in elementary school, yeah. the different way of learning. There's like seven different types of learning, which are really wild to me. And I'm, I'm, seven. I'm, I'm, I'm a, yes, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm visual. Yeah. I'm also, there's the uh, a kinesthetic. I, I learn through doing moving. Right. And I think that's, that's what I got out of martial arts and stuff, you know, um, aware body awareness. Mm-hmm. Other people are auditory. Other people are, they have to read it. Other people are, are, there's a, bu- there's a bunch of different ones. Um, Interesting. But, but back to the, the, yeah. what Pixar helped with, I was in, I was in very collaborative things and very different modes of collaboration. And, and even being with Brad Bird for you know, several years, how his, he approaches a story versus how John Lasseter, let's say, uh, mm-hmm. approaches a story are very different. Mm-hmm. They're both valid, but they're incredibly different. They land at the same damn place and their goal is the same, mm-hmm. but they get there through different things. So there's a bit of a tug of war on who you should follow you know, to, to rattle out the story, everybody has the best intentions, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody's trying to get to the same goal, but which is the right way to go. There's a million and one ways to skin the cat and nobody's right. Yeah. (laughs) My my mantra is the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. I have to see it and and be affected and go, that's the right one. Cause when I see the wrong one, I go, that's not working. You know it when you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and so it's a very humbling experience. You know, I think I learned to write at Pixar because of it's like a, a pressure cooker in story because you 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 look at it over and over and over again and there's I never had an experience like that anywhere else in my in my career as many times as they go over it sometimes really? to a hurtful point yeah. of the story because you know jokes die the more you tell them, right? If somebody's heard your joke a million times, it's not going to be funny anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And you so, must lose perspective too. And that's patient. exactly right. You lose perspective. I don't know if and, this is funny anymore. Yeah. And you have to have almost the sense of, um, uh, uh, you have to be objective all the time. And it's this weird oscillation be between being, because you can't really tell a good story unless you are subjective. Yeah. But to really tell a good story, you have to be objective. So when you say subjective, you, mean you have to have a point of view to tell the story. You have to have a point of view and you have to be in it yeah. and going, oh my gosh, this is, I'm really, you I've know, resolve I'm, this. I'm freaking out about this thing. Yeah. And then you got to go, wait a minute. And then you got to pull way back to 60,000 feet and go, wow. why are we wasting time on that? You know, you, you got the point across in page one. We don't need this rest of this stuff, right? It's not going to solve anything, you know? Yeah. So it's that oscillation that a good storyteller really has, you know? Wow. One of the things about live action versus uh, animation, and mm -hmm. not that I know that much about the animation field, right, right. Um, but when I watch an animated uh, show, I feel like everything's planned mm -hmm. and I'm, I, I don't get the same feeling of like randomity that like, oh, something yeah. could just accidentally happen that is like not planned out by somebody. That's right, that's um, right. How do you get around that in animation or is it something that you maybe wanna move on to live action or is that just yeah. the strengths and weaknesses of the two different things? Well, there's, there's, I mean, there's the literal differences, you know, you're in a real physical space in live action, right? Yeah. That's real light that you're chasing if you're outside. Yeah. Um, it's real time that's going by to get the shot. You can shoot all the coverage you want because you don't make your movie when you're shooting it, you make your movie in your, when you're editing it. So yeah. you're shooting a bunch of ideas with a plan in mind, but you have this leeway to let things kind of happen, magic, right? Magic. It's like, that was a great take. Uh, 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 and let's, let's do it again completely different, Joel. You know, try it, let's, let's, yeah. coming at it like you're insane, you know, or like you can't stop blinking. Let's just so see what you happens. Try you know? things. Yeah. yeah. You try things. And you can't really do that in animation because it's, it's expensive. But yeah. that said, for visuals, you can control everything. No stuntmen get hurt in an animated film. You know, yeah. you could do the most complex camera shots because you're not, gravity doesn't affect you, but mm -hmm. you can see that on the screen as well, you know, and that's that slide remove the organics. It's really hard to put organics in anime film. And when I was doing Brave, I wanted to put the organics in. You know, I was yeah. telling my layout guys, we're chasing Meredith through them, we're filming her, and she's yeah. going by trees, and I'm all, you know, and it's perfect, you know, and I'm going, no, 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 no. Let's that's think that. about getting this shot as if you're on an ATV camera crane, wow. <laughs> or we have to string a yeah. wire up and find a straight path that doesn't run into a tree. Wow. And so we're gonna be getting further away and stuff because she's on an organic path. So uh, with her clothes, right? If I put you in a cape and gave you a hood, right? Or in that awesome, you know, uh, uh, some awesome, you know, clothing, you know, big bear rug that, that um, Fergus had in Bray. Yeah, right you're going to move differently, right? Mm -hmm. The animators don't have that context. So Fergus has this big thing on and they do a head turn and he would never do that head turn because he's looking into, he turned like Batman, right? Yeah. He yeah. turned to get away. And Eleanor had these long sleeves that would cover her hands. So she couldn't put her hands down to her sides. And when she brought them up, there had to be a flick to get the hands out. And these are organic details that 
you don't think about an animation because you don't have the context in animation and it takes a lot of hard work and people do. I'm not saying that, you know, all of us animators are stupid. Yeah. We, we, we start drilling down on what that thing is and how it affects and gives a performance and, and tells a story. So on Brave, I try to put all the organicness in. I told our sim department, I just want, I'm not sculpting that cape to hit a beautiful painted pose. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. I want organics. So as long as the hair is voluminous and bouncy and, and those curls and their dresses, when they whip around the corner, the cape or the dress is doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to art direct that. I'm just going to let it happen. So that gives us a sense of dirt. It gives us a yeah. sense of messy. And, and that's what animation has always been kind of chasing. And that's why it's always a little bit uh, uh, slightly removed. But now with the technologies that we have, mm -hmm. mocap lets me be in a completely organic space. It's the exact same as live action mm -hmm. where I control light completely, yeah. you know, and I control other things, but I get a sense of that organicness. And I'm, I have a camera myself, mm -hmm. which is essentially a stick, you know, with a little thing on it that's tied into a computer. But I'm shooting myself. And so my fudging as a camera operator can stay. I mean, that makes it, I'm reacting, you know, when a, a, per, a character turns and looks because they just heard something that changes their life and they're narrowing their eyes. I could go, oh, and push in and lean on that. And I'm just reacting to it. Just like I react to my drawing and saying that leg isn't right. It's stronger if the leg's up here, right? And so I'm feeling it out. I'm there in the space. And I think that directly translates to the audience. And that's why we go see movies and watch our streaming shows and stuff like this. It's to escape and it's to be in the shoes of what these other characters are wearing, right? Yeah. And that's, that's way harder for animation to do. We they can do it. We lose ourselves as an audience and as if we were watching a sporting event that does not have a predetermined outcome. Exactly. And you want as much of that in this very structured, very planned assembly line process that is animation, you know? Was uh, John Carter the first time that you worked with this mocap kind of stuff? Or did, did you work the, with it at all? Or how involved we, were you? We did. Uh, we did. I was, I was uh, very involved in, in, the, in the beginning when we were yeah. just building our reels for John Carter. I was boarding it with all these other board artists and um, but we also had a previs team, so they were using out-of-the-box software, setting up a mocap space in this room, and that's when I first got my my own hands on it. Mm -hmm. And not in the not in this uh, in the sense of I'm uh, a character, you yeah. know, um, but in the sense of I'm the cameraman, right? And mm -hmm. they had a setup of the main city. Um, in 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 the movie with this yeah. big long bridge yeah. and helium mm -hmm. it's this huge tower and i could look at it through the camera you know i set up yeah. my little camera and i'm looking on the screen i'm all that's great wait a minute i'm a helicopter and i started doing shots uh -huh. and i started doing shots along the roads and craning up and and i could layer stuff so i can be the helicopter and i could just walk around the set the virtual set and then, and then they could lock that off. So that's a done shot. And then they could layer me down for, now I want to boom up or boom down. And they could lock that off once I got it right. And then I could just be the head. I can just be the operator and change where I'm looking as this big move's going on. 
And that just opened my mind hugely of what a tool and resource this is. Mm -hmm. And so after John Carter and I did Brave, which mm -hmm. was night and day different kind of experiences, you know, as fast as you yeah. can think and trying, trying to get more organics into a, a thing that resists it as much as it can, right? Yeah. Um, when I started developing my own films after Brave in 2012, I went to Ed Catmull and Jim Morris, um, and who are the you know presidents of the company. I said, I want to do this. I don't. I, I want to do a completely different process for animation. I want to skip 2D altogether. I want to be right in 3D because. So usually you go from 2D to 3D. 2D to 3D, hmm. um, and that was a, a thing that I discovered was was the the technology is so fast now, and these artists are so fluent in it, right? I can say, build, sketch me out a character, and they can get in ZBrush and knock something out in a day or a lunch, right? I remember and, when you first started, yeah. they used to have like an entire room full of like Mac minis or something, just, yeah. just rendering, yeah. rendering, rendering, rendering. You have to wait yeah. for, you know, days yeah. or days. It's not like now, No, now you don't. You could do it on your iPad. You know, it's insane. And, and, and these artists, so I can already be in context right off the bat, not fake context. Yeah. 2D is cheating. I don't care what you say. And I know my perspective and everything, yeah. my camera lens choices and everything are reflected in the drawing, but it's still cheating at the end of the day. Mm. In 3D, you can't cheat, it's there. You can, but you know, it, yeah. it's there. And you're informed and you can have that reaction that's more open and honest. And so if I can get in the 3D right off the bat, I'm making my decisions right off the bat. I'm in the spaces in context saying, this is way too big. You know, um, we were designing stuff in, in Brave or they had before I, I came on where Fergus's hand was so big, this is Eleanor's hand, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's huge. And there was a yeah. part, a scene where he, he's talking to Eleanor about their yeah. you know, daughter yeah. and he puts his hands on her shoulders. Yeah. And they didn't change anything and the hands were like this big in the camera yeah. to her head. Yeah, yeah. So we had to constantly scale his hands down, you know, 35 yeah percent so they look kind of normal and then as soon as his hands are off and they're compared to his body yeah. they go back to normal so really? doorways were designed for fergus not for anybody else so the people look like they're standing in roman Colosseum, you know arches yeah, yeah. So that's designed like outside of context yeah yeah you know which would never happen in live action you know i mean there's other pros and cons obviously to both but but making the movie and what a director wants and the things that he, he or she has to go through are exactly, are exactly the same. Wow. Yeah. So looking toward, I'm going to have to wrap this up pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Looking towards the future, what do you want to do now that you, I mean, you've got all this experience, all this uh, knowledge, all this creativity. What are you looking towards doing in the future? Well, I want to find, I've been in the animation industry uh, my entire life and there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. It's great. But yeah. for a guy who lives and breathes PG-13 R-rated movies mm -hmm. and stories that have that kind of stakes and that kind of intensity, you know, animation has always been rough. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been, you know, not in my element. So, yeah. so now with the advent of things like Spider-Verse, with the things of, of uh, Love, Death, and Robots, where animation is now Rick and Morty, for crying out loud. Uh, primal, Gendy Tarkovsky's Primal. Um, oh, I don't know that. 
Oh, you should watch it. It's awesome. It I did an episode. It'll be out next season. Okay, um, great. Um, great. Um, there's a free punch for you, Gandhi. Um, um, but uh, yeah, everybody watch Primal. Um, these are adult themes. It's what I grew up on watching Japanese anime, you know, which had more adult themes uh, um, and are dynamic. You know, your Robotech, your Akira's, you know, your Vampire Hunter D. People are going to be quizzing, looking at these things at home. Yeah. Um, that, that that's what I want to do. I want to work on stories that are in my wheelhouse now. Yeah. So that's, that's my future is either writing my own projects and getting them out there and, and, and selling them mm -hmm. series or theatrical or finding uh, series or theatrical things that are in my wheelhouse that speak to me where I go, yeah, you got a martial arts film, you got an action film, mm -hmm. I'm in, you know, does it have <laughs> monsters fighting humans? I'm in, you know, um, um, send me those, you know, scripts, you know, uh, let's get some money together. Um, um, that's what I'm kind of uh, doing. I have a, my wife and I, uh, uh, I wrote and directed, she produced our first short live action film that we spent all of our own money on and stuff all like right. this, but it's kind of my, a, a calling card or a look at the kinds of things that I want to do. We're taking yeah. that idea and we're, we're blowing it out to possibly pitch as a series because it's mm -hmm. a, it's a wild idea. Um, but, uh, and right now it's on the festival circuits and, cool. and it's, and it's doing really, really well, you know, all the horror and sci-fi and where, fantasy. Is there any place where we can see it or is it just on the festival circuits? Not yet. It's just on the festival circuits right now, yeah. um, by next year, but COVID is kind of, you know, everything's online and, and things. So yeah. if you could go to some of these, we'll get you a You're list right. of, of yeah. where these, where it's playing and you guys can go look at them online. Um, but it's really fun. It's a short 20 minute deal, but it has the stuff that I'm, I'm interested in and, and, you know, subjects I'm interested in and stuff like that. So uh, as long as the action and there's an intensity, because I, I feel as a storyteller, it's those moments when you're stuck and your car is on fire. That's where I find out who that person really is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They give up. Do they cry? Do they kick the window out? Do they suddenly get brilliant? Do they, you know, that's, that's the moment, you know, you're dangling from a tree 20 feet off the ground. Yeah. When you're totally you know, out of your element, that's the test of, yeah, out of the element, you know, everything is fine until you get knocked out of your saddle. <laughs> but then that's, that tells you who you really are. And, and I love exploring those moments, especially for when I was a kid, what it gave me stories like that gave me a sense of if you can rally, right. Mm -hmm. You might surprise yourself, yeah. right. If you're in a tough situation, you might surprise yourself and people who suffer from anxiety like I did when I was a kid, it was, I overestimate what's going to happen and I underestimate my response. Yeah. And so these movies were my heroes totally got in over their head, but made it out alive. Yeah. That is quintessential, you know, Campbell, right? It's, yes. these are stories that tell us we're going to be okay on our own, mm -hmm. you know, that, that there's, there's a strength and a will inside us that we, we don't know we have, you know, and it takes a Obi-Wan or a Gandalf, right. To spot that in us, you know, you but learn that about yeah. a lot of people that are successful in this industry or people that are working in artists that they had some kind of anxiety or some kind of thing yeah. that they had to get over. How did anxiety manifest itself in your life when you were younger? 
Well, I, my escape was, I mean, I was scared of everything. I had nightmares when I was a kid growing up. I was scared of everything. I was bullied, you know, um, really? um, fights. And I tossed tables in third and fourth grade when I was frustrated or, or panicked. And, and drawing was my escape, you know, because in there, I got to control everything, hmm. right? I could be anybody. I could be the villain. I could be the good guy. I could, I could try other things out, you know. Mm-hmm. I could draw hot you know, women that I would want to be with when I was a teenager, you know, and, and, or draw awesome heroines, you know, later going, no way, they're as strong as we are, you know, and, and it was an escape for me. And that helped me storytelling that escapism helped me cope with everything else that was going around me, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's what we like, I think, as audience members, is to be able to see people like us that are either overcoming the things that we're having difficulty with, or at least striving to overcome these things. And that's what yeah. pulls us along in a story. It feels like to me, that's what pulls yeah. us Yeah, and, and those, those are the stories I love. I call them the everyman stories, the person stories, right? They're yeah. stories where somebody goes, that's me. You know, whether you were the main characters, male or female, they're mm-hmm. going, that's me, I know exactly what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Terminator is that. Sarah Connor was great, bullied and not appreciated her job and, you know, can't get the dates, you know, they hang up on her and she's, but she's resilient, you know, and, and she muddles through until she gets involved in this extraordinary, extraordinary thing. Just for, as an example, Luke Skywalker's the same thing. Frodo's the same thing. You know, all my favorite movies are those types of things. Yeah. Well, thanks, Mark, for being on here. I just I thanks, really appreciate Joel. connecting with you again and uh, hearing what you have to say because it's just, it's uh, fascinating. It's truly yeah. fascinating. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, Anytime. Um, this has been Mark Andrews. He is a longtime friend of mine and an incredibly talented person and incredibly um, generous person as well. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about your family, but I wish your family well and i hope everything's going great up there they're all good all right right (laughs) thanks for being on the show thanks joel thanks for having me it was awesome